Hello, this is Dan Moynihan, and welcome to another episode of Christian Deep Dive, where we get into some of the relevant issues of the day in Christianity, topics, thoughts. Today I'm going to talk about the millennial reign of Christ, which is a subject that is not talked about a lot. It deals with the end times, and certainly the end times are dealt with quite a bit. Uh, but people usually will talk about the tribulation, the rapture, the actual second coming, uh, the new heavens and the new earth, but not too many actually talk about the millennial reign of Christ, which is something that if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in Jesus, you're going to experience that. So I think it's a good idea to talk about it. So as we get into this, let's talk about just a little bit about the end time stuff. Um, certainly in my lifetime, there's been a lot of discussion of end time things just simply because hey a lot of people thought Hitler was the Antichrist because he was trying to kill all the Jews at this time he was like a preview of what he would be like a lot of people thought that Gorbachev the Russian premier in the 70s was the Antichrist because he had a mark on his forehead and the book of Revelation talks about that uh, the Antichrist will have a, what looked like a head wound but again that wasn't it um, so there's been a lot of speculation, and, and the more speculation there is, and then when nothing happens, people say, oh, where is the promises of his coming? Is he really coming back? And the answer is, yes, he is. And I want to read to you uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 8. Uh, this is, and again, the book of Revelation, if you're not familiar with the end times, you want to read Matthew 24, where Jesus talks about it himself. You want to read the book of Revelation, which the whole thing is about the end times. And I'm going to read chapter 20 because chapter 20 is a climactic chapter of the Bible as it ushers in the reign of Christ coming in his glory in his kingdom. So it reads like this. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who was the devil and Satan, and he bound him for a thousand years. Remember that thousand years and cast him into a bottomless pit and shut him up and put a seal on him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things he must be released for a little while. And then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for witness to Jesus and the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast, the Antichrist, or his image, and had not received their mark on, his fore on their forehead or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again till the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. So it's, it's, it's something that this is one of the references to the thousand year kingdom. And I'm going to reference a couple of other scriptures in a moment. But please recognize that there are, especially in the Old Testament, many, many references to this thousand-year kingdom and something that is going to occur. And it's something that God always promised, that one day he would be here on this earth and it would be his government, his rule, kind of show us how it was supposed to be done is the way I look at it. It's funny, when I first became a Christian more than 30 years ago, I used to wonder at the following scripture, Luke 18.8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, Will he find faith on the earth? And back then, I'd say, I used to say, well, of course he will. There's, I mean, a lot of Christians, there's all these churches and everything else. But now, fast forward to this year, which I'm speaking in as the year 2020, 
Right now there's more Islamic mosques in England than there are churches. Certain political factions in our own country here in the USA are trying to take God out of the pledge, out of graduation speeches, out of swearing-in ceremonies. Of course, all this started in 1962 when prayer was outlawed in schools. And the truth is, dear listener, if you're a Christian today, you're either of the world or of Christ. In other words, you're either a follower of Christ in reality, not in name, just in name only, or you're of the world. It's important in this day and age, more than ever now, to appreciate our salvation and who we are in Christ, to remember that the whole reason we're created is to glorify God and have a relation with him. We as Christians are more and more in the minority. And I just want to say that if you will take an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness for our salvation, it is going to keep us focused in the days to come. And among this is thinking about the second coming. And I'm hopefully when you're done with this also in talking about the millennial reign of Christ. So just to summarize things about the end times, Eventually, there will be a rapture, which is spoken of in the book of 1 Thessalonians. I'm not going to go there for the sake of time, because this is not about the rapture, but maybe someday I'll do a podcast on that, where Christ will come and take all true believers out of this world prior to the very difficult time called the Great Tribulation, which, according to Scripture, is either seven years, or some people think it's three and a half years, depending on who how you interpret Daniel 9.26, which I won't go into in this particular podcast. It is safe to say, if it is a seven-year tribulation, the last three and a half years are the worst part of it. And that is summarized by all the judgments that you'll see if you read the book of Revelation. Then after all that, there's going to be an actual second coming, eventually a new heavens and a new earth. But before that, Again, there's going to be something called a millennium, the millennial reign of Christ. So what I want to discuss for the rest of this podcast is why is there a millennium? Who's going to be in it? What will a government under Jesus be like? What will the physical earth be like? And what about animals? So why a millennium? Well, keep in mind that those of you who uh, who know your Bibles, you'll know that in 1 Samuel, when Israel chose their first king, they chose Saul. Now God, if you, if you read between the lines, God never wanted them to choose an earthly king. He wanted to be their king. But they looked at all the other nations. Everybody had a king. Everybody had an earthly ruler. And they pleaded and whined and grumbled to God until they actually got one. And so God eventually said, well, okay. And so they got King Saul. And he turned out to be very self-absorbed and uh, not a very good king if you go through your scriptures. Then they got King David, who turned out to be a man after God's own heart, as the scriptures say. But he had a lot of mistakes. He was human. He had frailties. And he did some things that weren't so so good either. And if you read the history of the kings in the Bible, you'll find that most of them were not very good people. In fact, some of them were very terrible people. And now you go up to the modern day time of, of politicians and everything else. Um, nobody really ends up making this world a whole lot better. It, we're human, and uh, the millennial reign of Christ is going to show you know, what it was supposed to be. So I want to give you a couple more scriptures. As I said, there are, um, there are just so many of them, but I'm going to call out a couple for you. Ezekiel 37, verses 25 to 27. These are scriptures, again, that talk about the millennial reign of Christ. Then they shall dwell in the land that I have given to Jacob my servant, where your fathers dwelt. Then they shall dwell there, they, their children, and their children's children forever. 
and my servant David will be their prince forever. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be an everlasting covenant with them. I will establish them and multiply them. I will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My tabernacle shall be with them. Indeed, I will be their God, and they will be my people. And then Jeremiah 23, 5, 6. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king will reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness on the earth. His days, Judah, will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is the name that he shall be called, the Lord, our righteousness. Interesting to note that the Christmas song, Joy to the World, everybody thinks it's a Christmas song. It's not. It was written about the thousand year kingdom. Because if you look at, if you think about the lyrics and everything else in that song, Jesus is here presently on the earth reigning and living and reigning. Right now we have a spiritual kingdom, then it'll be a physical kingdom. He will be here. And there's many, many other scriptures. This thousand year kingdom is the end of human history, end of the present universe as we will know it. After this thousand years, everything in the created order will be destroyed as it has been tainted by sin. Even though Christ is ruling, it is over a renewed and regenerated earth. And there will still be, believe it or not, despite his presence here, there will be some sin and rebellion, which I'll get to in a moment. I just want to throw a few more scriptures at you. Here's one from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. Now it will come about in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. Now that hasn't happened yet. It will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many people will come and say, come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem, and he will judge between nations. Again, see, this has not happened yet. And will render decisions for many people, and they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. That's a scripture that's on the cornerstone of the United Nations. But again, that hasn't happened yet. Man thinks that man thinks that we can make it happen, that we can do it by creating the United Nations and everything else. But that hasn't worked out, has it? Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. So just so you understand, this is why there was so much confusion. When Jesus came the first time, everybody, the, the, the apostles and some of the learned people of Israel rejected him. The apostles didn't reject him, but some of the leading rulers rejected him because they expected the Messiah to come as this conquering hero, this conquering king, to start this thousand-year kingdom. And when he didn't do that, they rejected him. Again, what they didn't understand, they ignored the scriptures about the suffering servant, the suffering Messiah. They never realized there had to be two comings. There's when he came the first time to suffer and die for us and die for our sins. Now, when he comes again, you better believe he's going to come as the king of king and lord of lords. It'll be totally different then. Even John the Baptist was confused. When John the Baptist was in jail, he sent word for the apostles. He said, ask him if is he the one that's coming or should we expect someone else? Even he was confused by this. And Jesus said, he validated himself by tell them what you see. The dead are being raised. People are being healed. Everyone Jesus touched, he healed. If Jesus prayed for people, they got healed. It wasn't like today where you pray for 100 people and maybe one seems to be healed or whatever. When Jesus prayed for somebody, they got healed. So there were promises to Israel, but you know what? There were even promises 
to the church at that time. 1 Corinthians 6.2, Paul says, Do we not know that the saints will judge the world? And I'll get into that in a minute. Revelation 5, 9 to 10, and they sang a new song. Were there you, Lord, to take the book and break its seals? For you were slain, and you purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And listen to this. You have made them, that would be us, the Christians, to be a kingdom and priest to our God, and they will reign where? Upon the earth. Talking about that time. All right, so who's going to be in the millennium? Well, believe it or not, after this destruction of the tribulation and everything there will actually be some mortal people that survive that seven-year period and will end up coming into this renewed earth and so there will be mortal people that will survive and they will have children and their children will have children so there will be some mortal people who will survive these children will have a right to believe or not believe with obviously tremendous advantages because there won't be any deception. Remember, Satan is going to be loosed with his demons, or not loosed, he's going to be chained into a pit. We read those scriptures earlier. For a thousand years, he won't be able to tempt or do some of the things he does now. So there's going to be tremendous advantages. Knowledge of the Lord will be to and fro. And yet, believe it or not, as we will get to, some people will still choose not to follow him. Ages of people will be greatly restored, like before the flood. People will live a lot longer. Uh, people will live, as uh, Isaiah, there's a scripture in Isaiah that talks about um, 6520. No more will an infant there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. But a child would die at 100 years, and a sinner being 100 years old will be a curse. So what that's trying to say is, before Noah's flood, people lived to be 800, 900 years old. <coughs> Excuse me. And many people believe from these scriptures that that's going to be restored. So <clears throat> that's going to go on for during a thousand years. And at the end of a thousand years, there's going to be quite a few people here. Saints will be reigning with Christ, as we saw in the Revelation 5 scripture. So anyone that's died and gone to heaven, or anybody, Christians that survived the tribulation period, will be given their glorified bodies, will basically be living and reigning with Christ on this earth. And somehow will be involved with the expression of his will. Now the Bible talks about the judgment seat of Christ and where people get rewards. I believe some of these rewards will be in line with what we will get to do and what we'll be able to be during this thousand-year kingdom. And perhaps sometime I'll do a podcast on the judgment seat of Christ because that's, a, that's an area that people need to learn more about as well. It may very well be that Christians and glorified bodies are going to be the teachers, the prime ministers, the judges, the administrators, the town mayors, town councilmen, newspaper editors, all who are responsible for legislation will have his delegated authority. And let me tell you, whatever you are given to do, you're going to love doing it. There will be truth in education at that time. There's no more kicking the Bible out of libraries. In fact, the Bible will be in libraries. Things like the Koran and some of these other things that are in there now uh, will, be, will be thrown out because it's just going to be one thing, Jesus' way, the Christian way. There will be honesty in any newspaper and news telecast. There will be no more pollution or porn on the newsstands. Books will be filled with truth. The saints will be in charge of television, radio, education, the judicial process, all as delegates of his authority. And he'll be living and reigning out of Jerusalem. So there won't be elections. There's going to be appointments. Okay, There's not going to be 
a Republican Party, a Democrat Party, or anything like that. There won't be a Liberal Party. There won't be any of that because it'll be a theocracy, which means the king is ruling and he will appoint people to be his delegates. So we simply will be there to enforce the king's agenda. So what will the government of Jesus be like? Well, he rules as king of kings and lord of lords. All earthly leaders report to him. He will rule from Jerusalem. It's going to truly be the, he will be the God of this age and the whole world and its economy, labor, education, social life and morality, ideas and concepts are going to reflect the mind of Christ. This obviously is the opposite of what we have today, where Satan is the God of this age. And why do I say that? Well, look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Paul said, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, will shine on them. You can see that today, just in the news, TV shows, movies, etc. God's being kicked out. Satan's way is coming in. He's going to be king. So prosperity and good health will reign. There's going to be no prisons, no hospitals, no mental institutions, no saloons, no home for the aged. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Any sin by these mortal people will be visited with swift judgment right away. So in God's kingdom, let me ask you a question. Will there be abortions? Well, of course not. There won't be any liberal people walking around with their placards screaming for their abortion funding or any of that kind of stuff that drives me up a wall today because obviously that's not something Jesus approves of. So there's not going to be any of that. There won't be any of that. What will be a family considered? The fa a family will be considered what it is in the book of Genesis. A marriage will be considered a, a man and a woman and their family. That's what a family will be. Will companies like Chick-fil-A be kicked out of airports and colleges because they stand for Christ? Quite the opposite. Just every, biz every business in the world at that time will be a, have a Christian background. Will there be any faith besides Christianity? No, there won't be any isms or schisms or cults or anything like that. There will be the way of Christ and that'll be it. There won't be any Buddhist or Muslims or any of that. All that, all that will have passed away. I can hear people saying, what? What about diversity? No, sorry, it's the way of Christ because that's what it is. He's the creator. It's his way. And in this case, there is no highway. It's just his way. So you see the many scriptures in the millennium. You will see how there will be world peace, economic stability, the restoration of right education and true values. Now, the physical earth and the tribulation, keep in mind, or in the millennium, during the tribulation, believe me, folks, if you've never studied the tribulation, there's going to be decimation and upheavals like there's never you've never seen. The earth is going to be, Jesus is going to have to totally restore the earth quickly as this starts, and he will, because it's going to be horrible. But Isaiah 40, verse 4 says every valley shall be exalted every mountain and hill brought low the crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth in isaiah 41 i will bring rivers in the high places and fountains in the midst i used to joke around that once i understood the millennial reign of christ and we'll be doing we'll be reigning with him i was going to say hey i'm going to ask for one of those islands in hawaii but i probably better wait and see what it looks like after the uh, tribulation because in reality, the islands of Hawaii, after the Earth shifts on its axis and everything else that happens, could be covered with water. So 
I think I'll wait until uh, after and see what it looks like uh, after the tribulation to see where I want to stake a claim if I have a right to do that at all. But I think, again, whatever you were appointed to do, if you're a Christian with a restored body and regenerated body, you're going to love what you're doing. And you're going to be very grateful to be living for God. Now, I mentioned I was going to talk about animals. Everybody likes animals. Animals will be different. Uh, it'll be more like the time before the fall. Isaiah 11, verses 6 to 9 says, The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lay down with the young goat, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little boy will lead them. Also, the cow and the bear will graze, the young will lay down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox, the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child will put his hand in the viper's den. What this is trying to say, it's bringing back things to the way they were before the fall. And, and you'll see it in the book of Genesis. Um, the animals will become uh, vegetarian again. They will lose that instinct to kill and to be predators. And so it'll be like it was in the way it was supposed to be before sin came into the world. Now, this is important. I told you earlier that even though mortal man there has every advantage, there will be no deception, no deceptive religions, none of this, um, and yet they will still be born with that sin, that that uh, original sin, that sin nature within them. So they will have a tendency to rebel if they choose to, and some tragically will. And at the end of the thousand years, the Bible says that Satan will be loosed from the pit, and he will he will. Uh, he will work with people to try to come with him and follow him against a rebellion against Christ. But it will be dealt with swiftly and firmly. And it will be, it'll, it'll be happen so quick that God will just put an end to it. And at that point, Satan and his demons and his followers are thrown into the lake of fire. And then that's it, the new heavens and the new earth. So as I wrap this up today, a lot more I could say, certainly a lot more scriptures I could get into I said in the beginning that um, we need to be grateful for our salvation. We need to think and ponder these things, all the wonderful things God has planned for us and all the things that we're going to be able to be a part of that's so exciting and to do with him and just be grateful for our salvation. And I know myself, I think about it and I say, wow, why, why me, Lord? How in the world did you call me and, and make me want to serve you and give me put this desire in me to serve you? Because... When I was growing up, I had a lot of friends that I would ask questions and they would say, you know, why are you so interested in the things of God? Why are you? And I think about what may be different from them except God's great grace reaching out and making me want to serve him. And I'm so grateful that he called me like that. And I hope you're grateful listening to this that he called you. And if you don't feel that, but you want that, just say, Lord, draw me even closer. Draw me close to you. Put a desire in my heart just to love and serve you and receive you as Lord and Savior, which is, is the key thing. Unless you receive him as Lord and Savior, unless you claim his blood for your sins, there is no remission of sins. But that's what you need to do today. You know, I think about Johnny Cash. Uh, he, he had the same comments yet towards the end of his life where he had seen all his friends that were into drugs as he was into drugs and all his friends that were into these things. They all fell away. But he kept holding on to his faith despite all his hard times. And one of the last songs he wrote was called Why Me, Lord? Why in the world would you save someone like me? Why did you keep me coming after you? And it's it's one of those things. It's one of those gifts. It's one of those predestinated callings, which, again, I hope to get into sometime as well. Um, 
The Apostle Paul said the same thing. Chief of sinners, persecutor of the church. He said, why would you call me, Lord? Why did you change me? But he did. We were saved so we could glorify God and enjoy him forever. Certainly the millennium glorifies God because we see how leadership was supposed to be and we see how man messed it up. So again, if you are someone out there that you've never received Christ as your Savior, you need to recognize that you are a lost sinner and you have no hope on your own. You need to understand that Christ came into this world to save you, that he shed his blood and took our sins upon himself. And because the Father looks at him with our sin and punished him, the Father looks at us with Jesus' righteousness. I like to call it the divine exchange. When we truly believe and accept this, it changes us. It changes our way of thinking. We are justified, and the rest of our life we're going through the sanctification process. So thank you for listening. This again is another episode of uh, Christian Deep Dive, and we'll see you next time. God bless.